So factors that, that influence CKD progression, so we've mentioned earlier that um, the degree of kidney disease uh, that you've got does actually uh, influence this, uh, as well as the proteinuria and age. Um, that you can sort of broadly speak, think about things being modifiable and non-modifiable, so um, the cause of the kidney disease um, is a non-modifiable one. So for instance, tubular interstitial disease usually is, is um, less quick to progress than glomerular disease. And black patients often have a faster progression of CKD. Um, and then the, there are your modifiable um, risk factors for progression. Um, so blood pressure and proteinuria. Um, so you may be able to get both of those under control with uh, ACE inhibition or antitensin receptor blockade. Um, and then you think about the underlying disease activity, such as vasculitis or SLE, exposure to nephrotoxic agents, so are they getting loads of NSAIDs or high dose gentamicin, uh, the presence of intercurrent illness, hypovolemia or further renal insults, such as obstruction, UTI, um, and then things like dyslipidemia, hyperphosphatemia, metabolic acidosis, anemia, smoking, and poor glycemic control. So lots of those things won't come as a surprise to you. I think generally things that are quite bad for, for people with intercurrent illness or quite bad for people's health tend to be bad for kidneys. Um, so no surprises there. But just remember that proteinuria is a, is a key factor. And that's also a risk factor for acute kidney injury as well. So it's always important to consider whether someone has um, proteinuria, even in the acute sector. So some general management points about CKD. Um, you know, a lot of this probably won't be new to you, but I'll go through uh, in a little bit of detail. So hypertension control, there'll be some slides on that. Diabetes control, so for patients who are diabetic with CKD and not on dialysis, your HbA1c target, uh, according to their guidance, is 48 to 64, and in the old money, that's 6.5 to 8%. So patients not on dialysis with CKD, 48 to 64, or 6.5% to 8%. And once someone's actually on dialysis, you could argue that a lot of the um, damage has been done, if you like, and the benefits of tight control um, are less. And so we, we can often loosen the targets slightly in those patients. Um, as with all patients, you know, promote a healthy lifestyle, which includes physical activity, limiting sodium chloride intake, smoking cessation, um, dietetics input, particularly as your GFR drops, your ability to excrete potassium and phosphate fall. So you may run into issues with hyperphosphatemia and hyperkalemia, and you may need dietary, uh, dietetic input. And protein intake, there's some evidence that having very high protein intake is not good for the kidneys. Um, so um, targeting a protein intake of about 0.8 grams per kilo per day um, as minimum and less than 1.3 uh, grams per kilogram per day. So somewhere between that sweet spot is ideal. Uh, and you may need to increase the protein you're taking when you're on dialysis because you can lose some protein on dialysis and, and have a sort of dialysis-related malnutrition.
Um, so there's lots of guidance about diabetes and CKD, so most recently updated by KDIGO in 2022, and I'd encourage you to have a look at it. There's lots of um, graphical representations of, um, of what they want, but they broadly um, uh, break this down into lifestyle and self-management, which we've kind of spoken about a bit, first-line drug therapy, um, so uh, provision of statins, uh, RAS blockades for hypertension, uh, SGLT2 inhibitors uh, for type 2 diabetics, and metformin for type 2 diabetics. And there are some um, uh, specifics about prescribing that may um, lead to these being contraindicated in certain patients, so it does depend a bit on renal function. Um, and then additional drugs such as um, antiplatelet therapies may be used, GLP-1 receptor uh, agonists um, in type 2 diabetes, and non-steroidal uh, mineralocorticoid receptor uh, antagonists in type 2 diabetes. Uh, and then, of course, just generally controlling your um, sugars, controlling your lipids and blood pressure control. Um, so nothing there probably would be a great surprise to you. So for everyone, they, they say, you know, physical activity, nutrition and weight loss if you're, if you're overweight. Uh, and then the first line therapy uh, thereafter uh, would be a combination of, um, and these are type 2 diabetics by the way, so metformin or SGLT2 inhibitors. So they, and um, Kedigo say that you can um, start an SGLT2 inhibitor at the age of far as uh, so 20 or above, and then uh, discontinue and on the dialysis. Uh, with metformin, uh, you would go for a lower dose if the EGFR is less than 45, and then once you get below 30, uh, you discontinue. Uh, and then other additional therapy would be guided um, by patient preferences, uh, renal function, uh, and it says cost as well. So other options include GLP-1 agonists, DPP-4 inhibitors, insulin, uh, sulfonylureas, etc. Uh, many of these are quite difficult to use when the patients have got low renal function. So in practice, um, what you end up with in patients on dialysis is um, DPP-4 inhibitors uh, and insulin. And actually, once you're on dialysis, and once you've got really poor kidney function, the insulin that you have got tends to hang around for longer. Um, so you may actually see a slight improvement in um, so this next slide has just got a graphical representation of uh, pretty much most of the things I uh, spoke about. Um, so the flozins are a very, a very hot topic at the moment. So you'll be uh, aware of this, I'm sure. There's a trial called the DAPA-CKD trial in the New England Journal of Medicine. So DAPA composing in patients with chronic kidney disease. I would encourage you to um, look at this paper, even if you don't read all of it, if you just look at the abstract or some of, you know, have a quick look through, it's worth knowing. It's, it's a key bit of evidence-based medicine that's really um, looking like it's going to change things. So um, patients with CKD um, were randomised to, um, so uh, patients with CKD with an EGFR of 25 to 75 
uh, and with a bit of proteinuria uh, were randomised to uh, receive daplicophosin or placebo. And the primary outcome was a composite of sustained decline in GFR of at least 50%, end-stage kidney disease, or death from renal or cardiovascular causes. Um, and the results are quite striking with the conclusions, uh, I'll read the conclusions from the abstract. So among patients with chronic kidney disease, regardless of the presence or absence of diabetes, the risk of a composite of sustained decline in EGFR of at least 50%, end-stage kidney disease, or death from renal or cardiovascular causes, was significantly lower with that and placebo. So um, this next slide just shows a few of the um, uh, Kaplan-Meier type curves with separation of placebo from um, uh, from daplicophosin. So you can see um, quite impressive results there um, with, with lots of the outcomes, not just the primary one. Um, so also death from all, many cause uh, real specific composite outcome. So it's, it's definitely worth looking at the paper because it's quite impressive and, and as such we're now driving to incorporate that into our prescribing practices. So just in terms of general sort of contraindications and points about daplicophosin, so um, contraindications, so don't use it in type 1 diabetes, uh, ADPKD, so autosomal dominant polycystic disease, renal disease requiring immunosuppression, hypovolemia and patients on dialysis um, and if, uh, the prescribing guidance in the UK says uh, to initiate an EGFR of 25 or above and then discontinue once patients on dialysis um, and so it does have a slight diuretic effect which is why hypovolemia um, is, uh, is sort of a contraindication um, and there is an association uh, with urinary tract infections, euglycemic DKA and a rare association with corneas gangrene. So um, this often forms part of the consent process when starting someone on um, these medications. So um, if you tell someone they're going to get corneas gangrene or get a bit risk of corneas gangrene, you can see why they might not want to take the drug, although the risk uh, is quite low and the benefits we know from the trials are uh, quite high. So just in terms of NICE recommendations, it's uh, recommended as an option for treating CKD in, in adults, but there are a few caveats. So it's an add-on to the standard of care. So the highest tolerated dose of ACE or ARB, unless they're contraindicated. Uh, and then as, as I've said, EGFR 25 to 75, um, and a urine albumin to creatinine ratio of 22.6, or type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, the KDIGO guidance says you can initiate it if the EGFR is 20, but the NICE is 25, so there's a slight difference there. Um, in terms of blood pressure targets for patients with CKD, so uh, KDIGO guidelines in 2020 said less than 120 millimetres of mercury systolic in all patients. Um, they recommend an ACE inhibitor or ARB for patients with CKD, hypertension, and UACR of greater than. 30 milligrams per millimole in a non-diabetic, uh, and for patients um, with uh, a UACR of greater than 3 milligrams per millimole, they suggest they say it be, uh, but the evidence is weaker. Again, that's for non-diabetic patients. 
Um, but for diabetic patients who are uh, hypertensive, they recommend um, commencing an ACE or an ARB uh, if the, um, the proteinuria is greater than or equal to three milligrams per millimole. So this is the micro. The nice um, targets for blood pressure are a little bit complicated, um, but uh, it's not all that, that clear because there are a few different guidelines um, to look at. But essentially, non-diabetics with heavy proteinuria or diabetes with microalbuminuria, you should consider a lower blood pressure target. So less than 130 over 80 with a preference for ACE inhibitor or ARB. Um, in those without diabetes or diabetes without albuminuria, you could probably relax a little bit and go for less than 130 over 90. Um, it's just a graphical representation on this slide that says for adults with diabetes, ACR less than uh, 3 milligrams per millimole, we just monitor ACR, creatinine and blood pressure annually. And where it's 3 milligrams per millimole or more, you offer an ACE inhibitor or ARB titrated to the highest possible dose and then consider adding in a substitute. In those without diabetes, um, ACR uh, less than 30 uh, with no hypertension, there's nothing to do. Uh, ACR less than 30 with hypertension, let's just follow the nice guidance on uh, hypertension. Um, those with an ACR between 30 and 70, um, kind of depends on, on what their blood pressure is, um, but if they're hypertensive, you would offer them an ACE or an ARB to the highest tolerated dose. Uh, and those with an ACR of 70 milligrams minimal or more offer an ACE or ARB to the highest tolerated dose and refer for specialist assessment. So nice guidance would say for diabetics, so either type 1 or type 2, um, with an average creatinine ratio three milligrams per millimole or more, you would offer them an ACE inhibitor or an ARB titrated um, to the uh, highest uh, tolerated dose. In terms of uh, non-diabetic patients, so um, if the albumin to creatinine ratio is less than 70, uh, then NICE say target a BP uh, of less than 140 over 90 and they say that if it's above 70 then target uh, less than 130 uh, over 80. Um, so that kind of con contrasts a little bit to what they say uh, which I'll show you in the in a different guideline which I'll show you in the next slide. So you'll see that um, on the previous slide it said those with uh, an ACR less than 70 target less than 140 over 90 Whereas on this side they say uh, anyone who's got an ACR over 30, um, give them an ACE or inhibitor or an ARB to the highest tolerated dose. Um, and if you give them that to the highest tolerated dose, you may find that you are going below that um, 140 over 90 target. So that is slightly confusing. So I've come up with my own interpretation of these guidelines, which um, I'll share with you in a moment. Uh, and for those, uh, as I've said, those with ACR of 70 or above, you get them on the highest dose of uh, ACE or um, ARB, target less than 130 over 80, uh, and you refer to nephrology um, for assessment, and this is for non-diabetic patients. So my interpretation of this uh, guidance and what I'd suggest it's reasonable to do is, um, in those 
who are diabetic with a UACR of greater than or equal to 3 milligrams per millimole, uh, target less than 130 over 80, and use an ARV. In those uh, who are not diabetic, but the UACR is 30 or above, target less than 130 over 80, and use an ARV. If a patient is um, a diabetic with a urinalbum to creatinine ratio less than 3, or non-diabetic with a urinalbum to creatinine ratio less than 30, then I think a target of uh, less than 140 over 90 is reasonable.